And so another church year has passed. Did we imagine it this way? Did we have other hopes and dreams to realize here in this community? How about the rest of our lives? And I know you, you might be tired of reflecting on the state of our world. I know I am. Yet I realize there's something still worth reflecting on. I'm no expert, but I've yet to see a collective processing of all that has been lost and is still being lost. The loss is in process, in movement, in everything. None of us have ever experienced a series of events quite like this. Many of you have lived through what felt like revolutions, cultural revolutions, watching revolutions happening across oceans. Perhaps you were born in a nation amidst turmoil and revolution, or maybe your country of origin was birthed in such upheaval. Perhaps we just have friends or family who've experienced such things, and it feels entirely new. We're not quite sure where this is going. Something is different about this time. You can feel it in the air, but also see it in the immediate results. It's different than the March on Washington. It's different than Occupy Wall Street. It's not the same animal as the protest against the war in Vietnam. These are not Depression-era breadlines, though we have our modern breadlines being put on hold with unemployment, sometimes for days. Maybe it's not quite a revolution yet. What word do we even use? We've not been here in a long time. Though I do see statues toppling as they did during the Arab Spring. Delayed agendas are supercharged. Farewell, Jefferson Davis from the Frankfort, Kentucky Capitol building. White people can't get enough of Robin DeAngelo's book, White Fragility, though I hope the next books on their reading list are from black creators and authors. And I could keep going. It's in the air. It's a spring day when the grass is warmed by the sun and you breathe deep the earthy smell. There it is, in the lungs, and the streets exhale as they cry out for black lives and a new America. And all of that in the midst of a pandemic. Remember that, the pandemic? I hope you haven't forgotten. It feels like so many people have in Utah, in Texas, in Florida, in Tennessee, in Arizona. Have we forgotten in Kentucky too? Many of you remember the fear and uncertainty of the AIDS crisis in the 1980s. I remember as a child all of the education and movies and updated information that we would get, but this isn't the same, not even close. This pandemic is a different beast altogether. This is new entirely. We've not been here before, though generations past have had their own. Our lives have been completely disrupted wherever we turn, and if you think yours hasn't, I wonder, how deep does that denial go? This has been a church year, a season, a moment, many moments of impassioned maladjustment and quiet lamentation, and conversely, quiet maladjustment and impassioned lamentation. And amidst this, all of this, a brewing storm of cultural transformation and the deep losses of pandemic. Amidst all of that, our lives continue. We've still lost loved ones, not to COVID-19. We've lost routines. There are the normal celebrations and the frustrations of life. Still, none of that has disappeared. And so with all of this, we gather imperfectly, virtually, but gathered enough. And we hear a story 
It's a familiar story. It's a story of, of love and clarity, conviction and resolve. It's a story, yeah, about those who've come before us, but really it's a story about us too. Nothing is separate. And so we hear this story and we bring it close like our beloveds or the feeling of sunlight on a winter day. It's 1923 in the Czech Republic. At that time, it was called Czechoslovakia. A Unitarian minister by the name of Norbert Čapek serves the largest Unitarian church in all of Europe and in all of the world. Even by today's standards, it would still be the largest Unitarian church. The church is in Prague, and it has, you know, a very nice, large building. The ideals of Unitarianism speak to the people there. They speak to the marrow deep down and call to them. This was a time of rebuilding in Europe, of finding a way forward, of holding to ideals that build up everyone and everything. And the only thing is that Dr. Chopik and many of the members of the church thought the building was quite ugly. It wasn't quite brutalist in its demeanor. No, no, but it was stark. Barren walls, monotone colors. Where was the brightness of the hearts and minds of its members, one would wonder. And so Dr. Chopik had an idea. On the last Sunday of the church year, he asked all the members to bring a flower, any flower of their choosing, from their gardens, from fields and hills and forests, wherever. And during the service, they would gather up all the flowers in a giant vase, and Dr. Chopik would bless the flowers, almost like a priest before breaking the bread of communion. He then encouraged each member to come forward and select a flower different from the one they had brought. There they were, each holding a flower, a gift brought for them, a radiant blooming flower, perhaps a bud waiting to bloom, some with thorns, some with pollen, some damaged and imperfect. The sanctuary was lit up with greens and vibrant colors. Suddenly, the stark nature of the sanctuary was a great benefit for the colors came alive. And there it was, the point of it all made manifest right there without much explanation. We each bring gifts to our communities of faith. And our deepest calling is not to jealously guard them, but to give them freely. We bring our diversity, our stories, our hopes and dreams, our wounded hearts, our scars, and our healing too. And we share that. The first flower communion was born. A uniquely Unitarian holiday and tradition. A celebration of who we are at our very center. A free faith, giving freely and abundantly in community. And so this tradition continued for years and was finally brought to the Unitarian communities in the United States in 1940 by Dr. Chopik's wife, Maya. It spread widely and became a beloved tradition here. At the height of the 1940s, the Nazis, uh, in 1940, the Nazis occupied Czechoslovakia. And being the largest Unitarian church in the world, the Nazis found uh, Dr. Chopik's ideas to be dangerous and a threat to the Third Reich. And so they worked to shut down the church. But Dr. Chopik and his followers resisted. Oh, they resisted. They continued to preach and live a life-affirming, life-giving free faith. But the Nazis ultimately arrested Chopik, sending him to the concentration camp at Dachau. And though we've heard this story, <laughs> though we've heard this story many times, it still rips the heart out. Human beings can be so cruel can't we? 
Struggling with feelings of defeat and despair, Chopik had another idea. Here he was amidst great suffering, amidst people seeking some shred of hope in the camp. Jews, LGBTQ folks, Roma, Unitarians, anyone that wasn't Aryan or complicit. So Chopik gave the same instruction he gave his congregation 20 years earlier to the prisoners. Find a flower, any flower, it doesn't matter. The prisoners would scrounge along the fences of the concentration camp, finding small wild violets, white clover, dandelions. They gathered up these small messengers of beauty, even the weeds, and Chopik led a flower communion service with the prisoners. And he would do this as often as he could, almost, almost daily. In 1942, Chopik died while the Nazis experimented on him. It, it was no accident. In telling their stories after the camp was liberated, many prisoners remarked that if it wasn't for Norbert Chopik and the flower communion services he led, they would have given in to their despair. They would have stopped fighting to live. They would have given in to the hate and filth of the Nazis. This is the story we tell. This is about a man whose heart and soul lived and breathed the fire of this faith. This is a story that reminds us that we are no mere social club. We have a message of hope, a complex history of heartbreak and wholeheartedness. This is a story, ultimately, about you and me, all of us, right now, gathering wild flowers along fences, tangible, sustaining hope, as small as it is. Now, you may have noticed behind me, there's empty vases. Vases that will not be filled with flowers we bring this year. They will remain empty. Now, I applaud smaller fellowships that have done drive-through flower communions. It's creative. But in what might be an unpopular opinion in this time, I believe it's necessary to lose something. Not to lose it completely, but to lose the rhythm of what once was. Rituals are very important, not because we hope for a desired outcome, but in the very act of doing them. That is their purpose, to act, to do, to play our part. And our part right now is to wrestle with the loss this pandemic has wrought upon us, to wrestle with and hear the cries for justice, to scrounge along the fence line for wild violets and white clover. And so with that in mind, Flower Communion Sunday is that much more important now. It cannot be celebrated as it was in this moment, but the heart of the day remains, and it always will. The indelible truths shine out brightly as stars in the night sky, and yet stars will fade. Flowers will wilt. New truths and ways of being surely emerge from that. Shortly before Chopik was killed by the Nazis, he wrote a prayer. And he says to us now, It is worthwhile to live and fight courageously for sacred ideals. Oh, blow ye evil winds into my body's fire. My soul you'll never unravel. Even though disappointed a thousand times or fallen in the fight and everything would worthless seem, I, I have lived amidst eternity. Be grateful, my soul. My life was worth living. He who is pressed from all sides but remained victorious in spirit is welcomed into the choir of heroes. He who overcame the fetters giving wing to the mind is entering in 
to the golden age of the victorious. O oh, blow ye winds of pandemic and revolution into our body's fire. Our souls will never be unraveled. Our lives are worth living right here, right now. Not all is lost. So there is at least one flower in this sanctuary today, and I brought it for you, all of you, members, friends, visitors. It is merely a bud right now, waiting to bloom. There are some thorns, so it needs to be handled gently. But I wonder, what radiance awaits? What fragrant warmth will fill our lungs? Not all is lost. The flower will bloom, and we wait. Blessed be. Amen.